Hello and welcome to this Thursday, March 10th edition of the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris Kermani, and today on the aftermath of a monster 12-game slate, we get to take a little bit of a step back and go over a two-game slate on this Thursday evening, both of which are looking like some pretty good games to be able to watch, both very close as far as spreads are concerned, and both absolutely filled to the brim with studs. So there's just so much interest in terms of what actually will be the right lineup to be able to go with, and who are the value picks in something that has so small a margin of error. So Definitely going to take a look into that. But before we do, as always, a shout out to our sponsor, Thrive Fantasy, who, if you are not aware of as of yet, just continues to be the most exciting place for daily player prop bets, where you have guaranteed nightly contests overall over six million dollars in prizes have been given out and as a listener of the sports ethos podcast if you use the promo code ethos e-t-h-o-s you will get a instant 100 percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars for new users so definitely go ahead head over to thrivefantasy.com where you will pick From a pool of players playing on the night, just the over and under of where they may potentially end up on different statistical metrics, but sign up and prop up today. But let's go ahead and move right into our two-game slate of the night. And the first one is going to have the Brooklyn Nets going over to the Philadelphia 76ers in a game that has a 222.5 total a spread in which the 76ers are favored to win by four and a half. So a small margin of victory, but a victory margin nonetheless. And as far as the injury report is concerned, for the Brooklyn Nets, we have Ben Simmons continuing to be out, knowing that he is going to be rejoining the team soon, but is not yet slated to be able to make his debut. We're going to have to see what will happen to that. As far as LaMarcus Aldridge is concerned, he also remains out and he has been said to be out not only for that previous Charlotte road game, but it's going to be for this Thursday Philadelphia one as well. So we'll see if he makes his way back from that. Joe Harris, as we know, is out for the season and the rest of the players on the Brooklyn side are less relevant as far as fantasy is concerned. But first of all, given the fact that it is an away game, you know you're going to get that opportunity to see Kyrie Irving back in the building and he is coming off an absolutely monstrous night in which he dropped 50 real points his third time doing that as a Brooklyn net en route to a 69.75 DK points night and it was on a night where he just could not miss now it's no mean feat to do 50 regardless of who you're playing against well we all know that the Charlotte Hornets are a team that love to run up and down but just don't have that capability to be able to defend you either on the inside where Kyrie is just so shifty or on the perimeter where Kyrie was able to drop nine threes out of 12. Just an insane night from an efficiency standpoint, 78% from the field, 75% from the three-point line. But what that means is that you're probably going to get a lot of people looking to chase that, just looking at the box score and seeing if they can go ahead and 
get another Kyrie opportunity. And as much as I would never fault anyone for taking Kyrie, this isn't a great matchup as far as Kyrie is concerned. Now, Philadelphia 76ers have been exceedingly good at limiting opposing guards. At this moment, fourth in the league in 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 terms of opponent rank with regards to the point guard shooting guard position. And the fact that they have a Matisse Tybull, a Tyrese Maxey to be able to go ahead and throw out on these guys and just chase them all night just shows that it's going to be a exceedingly difficult night as far as Kyrie's concerned. And as much as he could very well hit that points total for him, I do have a little bit more interest in the Kevin Durant side of things, which at $400 more is going to be the stud that I'm most interested in as far as the Brooklyn side is concerned. One, the fact that he's coming off a game in which he wasn't all that involved as far as the offense is concerned. And that actually makes it that little bit more interesting because he's going to be looking to get himself back on track, as we know Kevin Durant always does. And more so than that, he has absolutely torn apart the 76ers in the three games that we've seen him so far in the season. He's averaging 61.3 DK points against them, in which he's shooting 51% from the field. And even though he is below average as far as the three-point line is concerned, the fact that he's been able to rack up the rebounds and assists to be able to go ahead and get him to that overall DK points threshold just bodes so well for a matchup in which he just has too much size for any of the otherwise wing guys to be able to go ahead and hold him. Outside of that, there are a couple of pieces that are interesting with regards to the ancillary guys on the Brooklyn Nets. Bruce Brown continues to be a guy that I just lock in night in and night out now. He's just so incredibly solid for everything that he has been doing for them. And the fact that his price tag is actually taking a bit of a drop, despite the fact that he hasn't had a game below 35.5 DK points in any of his last three, that's surprising to me. And the fact that he has that small forward eligibility you know, gives him that little bit of versatility of the spot that I usually don't like to pay up for guys anyways. I can go ahead and shove Bruce Brown in on there. So that definitely is of interest to me. And then, of course, the Andre Drummond side of things. One, the fact that this is a matchup in which he is going up against his uh, previous team at the start of the season. You know, the backup on that side didn't really work out, but he has been doing work on the Brooklyn Nets side, coming off a game in which he got his third double-double in nine games for the Brooklyn Nets, put up 20 and 14 in that game in 24 minutes, shooting 7 of 13 from the field, 6 of 10 from the line, en route to 47 and a half DK points. So definitely a great spot where he is going to be raring to go in a matchup where he's going to definitely be required to go up against Joel Embiid, which... You know, in and of itself isn't an amazing matchup, as we all know. He could very well find himself in foul trouble, but Andre Drummond has usually found ways to be able to go ahead and avoid that, and the fact that they just don't have anyone else of real size that they can rely on at this point. Nick Claxton has clearly not been in the right house as far as Steve Nash is concerned, in the doghouse, otherwise you could say. He was just recently back into the rotation, but it's been Andre Drummond that they've really relied on in the front court, and I expect that to continue. At 5,700, he's definitely going to be one of my uh, mid-tier picks of the night when we get to that point at the end. Moving on to the Philadelphia side of things, 
First of all, as far as the injury report is concerned, it's Danny Green that uh, continues to be out. He had his dislocated finger and he is going to be out for at least a week. And then otherwise, the rest of the team is good to go. Grant Riller is the only one that's listed out otherwise. So really, it's all systems go as far as the Philadelphia 76ers are concerned. And when it's all systems go, you know it's the duo of James Harden and Joel Embiid that's going to be all the focus as far as the offense is concerned. James Harden, who himself is coming off a game in which he was slightly down. It was actually, relatively speaking, his worst performance as a Brooklyn Net. And I say that in jest because he's just been so monstrous ever since he's come there. That was actually his first game below 50% shooting. And yet he was still able to put up 47 and a half DK points just because of the fact that he was able to get 14 assists, 8 rebounds, and that 5 of 15 shooting is not going to be something that we see all that often, given how much attention Joel Embiid takes away from Harden and allows Harden to operate one-on-one. And I see that happening here as well. The Brooklyn Nets just have not had any real success with regards to taking opposing guards out. And Kyrie Irving, as we know, as great as he is offensively, he is an absolute pylon on the defensive end. And James Harden, this is a revenge matchup. This is a matchup against the guy that he's probably pissed at. The reason why, or one of the big reasons why he probably ended up deciding to move on from Brooklyn. So there's just a lot of emotions that are tied over to this game. And I know people were hoping that Uh, Ben Simmons would have been a part of this matchup, you know, it was circled off. It would have been insane, but there's still more than enough as far as storyline is concerned to really see James Harden looking to do everything he can to show them just why he is the dominant figure that he has been. And between Embiid and Harden, as much as I love Embiid in most matchups and the fact that he's coming off a 74 DK point night is not something to scoff at and his price tag is down to 10,800. But regardless, the point over here is James Harden has been the guy that has been the engine for the entire offense, and he is the one I'm going to be focusing on. Depending on how your lineups work out, perhaps you want to get Embiid in there, but honestly, I would rather get Durant in on the other side and look to some of those mid-tier guys to be able to go ahead and round out the lineup. As far as the rest of these guys go, Matisse Thybul is the only one, as everyone knows, I am ever interested in as far as the cheap options are concerned. He's that dart throw that often rounds out my lineup just because I expect him to play more minutes in any of these matchups in which there are essentially studs that are needed to be guarded. Kyrie Irving is going to be required to have just the utmost of attention on him, and I expect that Matisse Thybul is going to be up there in that 30 minutes range as he often gets in these kind of matchups. So... With that in mind, definitely a guy to keep in mind for you. Moving on to the second game of the night, and another just absolute banger, we have the Golden State Warriors going over to the Mile High City in the Denver Nuggets, a matchup that has a 220.5 total. The Golden State Warriors favored to win by 3.5. That was actually, to be honest, a pretty surprising stat for me. Yes, you have Steph Curry coming back in this matchup, and we're going to get to the injury report in general, which uh, Draymond Green, who, by the way, has just given out that he is targeting March 14th as his return date. So definitely a huge, huge respite as far as the Warriors are concerned, who have really struggled on the defensive end without their stalwart in Draymond Green being there. Otto Porter is going to be out for this game, ruled out with an illness. And we have Gary Payton as well, who with a knee injury has also been ruled out. Beyond that, Andre Iguodala remains out, but not really all that 
involved as far as the rotation is concerned at this moment. But as far as the Golden State Warriors themselves are concerned, Steph Curry, who rested off on that uh, on that Tuesday game, came back to play the Clippers <clears throat> on the 8th. This is going to be a, a game where they have one game off. Shot 5 of 12 in the last game, en route to 33.25. And Steph Curry, as much as he is undoubtedly a stud that can go off on any given night, and 9,800 is never a price tag that you would be looking at otherwise and see Steph Curry be like, yeah, I want to take that. But on this kind of a slate and on this kind of a matchup where Denver has been a consistent kind of thorn in the side of Steph Curry, as far as his offensive productivity is concerned in the two games that they've played so far in the season, he's played over 39 minutes yet has only been able to rack up 35 DK points has shot 28% from three in the matchups that they had only hitting six of them and 16 of 35 overall. So he definitely will be looking to try and get right as far as his performances against Denver are concerned. But as we all know, first and foremost, away teams playing in Denver always have that little bit of extra struggle just because of the altitude and everything else that goes with that. But more so than that, Steph Curry, even though the matchup isn't amazing in, in terms of you know the defensive matchups that Denver can go about throwing at him. Denver has just been so good as far as their team defense is concerned that they just never let Steph Curry have an open look. So even though players like Monte Morris, Faku Campazzo aren't necessarily the most renowned as far as defensive uh, stalwarts are concerned, they stay on you. They stick on you all the way through, especially Monte Morris, who himself has been finding a uh, a new lease on life. And we're going to get to that when we get to the Denver side of things, but. In general, it's a matchup and a stud that I am avoiding probably to my <laughs> to my kick in the teeth that when Steph Curry does happen to go off against him, but you got to make some choices somehow. I'm finding myself going more towards that Brooklyn-Philly game, and as a result, while I will never have any problems with anyone going with Steph Curry, if there is any exposure, I'm getting over to this game. That's coming from the Jordan Poole side of things, who despite... The fact that Steph Curry is back, he has still been finding himself in a great spot offensively, getting up 13 shots in the last game with Steph there, got up 19 in the game before that. But regardless, with Steph even on the floor, he is still finding himself getting anywhere between 13 to 15 shots a game. And for his last four games, has been consistently hitting that mid-30s as far as DK points are concerned, including that one 49.75 DK point gem. At 5,200, there's just way too much upside from his offensive standpoint. I believe that he is going to be the one that really does get to benefit from the fact that Denver is going to be focusing so hard on Steph Curry. And he himself has actually done pretty well against Denver this season with two games, putting up nearly 40 DK points in each of those as well. Now, whether Steph was in all of those, that's a different situation. But Jordan Poole is a guy that is a streaky shooter and he is in a hot streak at the moment, which means that it's a guy that you do want to give yourself a little bit of exposure to because I'm avoiding the Andrew Wiggins and Klay Thompson situation altogether. Uh, As much as Andrew Wiggins has been pretty consistent, I just never trust his offensive output to be able to do enough for me to get the rest out there. Last game, he got up to 38 DK points with 11 rebounds, which is not something I'm chasing. He's at four rebounds a game for the entire season. So that was definitely a bit of an outlier as far as that side of things are concerned for him. And Clay, Clay continues to 
struggle with his shot and overall just struggle with getting his rhythm as far as the offensive side is concerned. You know, he hasn't had a game in which he has shot over 50% since the 24th of February against Portland. And even before that one, he was on an extended streak in which he's really been struggling, especially from downtown. So it's just one of those matchups where, again, you know the upside that you can get in GPPs. Perhaps you may want to uh, pivot and get uh, a Clay Thompson or an Andrew Wiggins in there just for the opportunity that they happen to go off. But I would much rather stick with Jordan Poole and move on to the Denver side where their injury report is much more extensive. We'll have to see whether Will Barton actually comes back because as of the uh, Wednesday matchup, he was ruled out with his uh, with his ankle sprain. And the rest of it, we know Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Jeff Green, Bones Highland, uh, both uh, were ruled out. Now, Jeff Green had been ruled out for personal issues on the Wednesday, so we'll have to see if he does actually end up finding himself back on the floor for the Thursday matchup. And same with Bones Highland. So Bones Highland was ruled out from initially being probable, but then they said his knee soreness held him out, and we'll have to see if they actually get him back on the court for that Thursday as well. But regardless... Nikola Jokic is going to be the guy that you're looking at, whether it be from all the studs that are out there, you have to decide which one you're going in because in the end you have 60,000 to be able to go ahead and spend. And that can be that little bit difficult, sorry, 50,000 to be able to spend. And that can be difficult when you have an 11,200 guy who has been on an absolute just warrior eating streak. It's like he takes every Warriors game personally to just be able to show that, yes, I am going to be the MVP again this season. I have shown myself as being just on that other level. And he is coming off two games that are just absolutely otherworldly, whether it be from a field goal percentage where he is shooting over 70% in those last two games, whether it be from a rebounds and assist standpoint, both of which he is in double digits on. And he is actually on four double or sorry, three triple doubles of his last five games and only missing out on the fourth one because he had eight points against Portland. And that Portland game was an absolute travesty as far as blowouts are concerned. So No concern there, but what you do have is Jokic, who has dropped 95 and 75 DK points in his last two games, and just coming in on an absolute tear. So if there's like a tier of studs they can think of, in terms of pure raw points, Jokic is likely to be on top over here. He's done it again and again as far as the Warriors are concerned, and with Will Barton likely to be out again, there's just going to be that much more offensive requirements on uh, on the Joker's side. But as far as ancillary players are concerned, I was speaking about Monte Morris earlier, and that's because he has been just on a consistent streak of 37, 35, and then 26 the game before that. And more importantly, his minutes have gotten back to a level where we can basically trust him again. 36 minutes in the game prior against the against the Pelicans, against the Warriors just in the game prior to that, uh, 32 minutes in that one as well, where he dropped 37.75. So we know exactly what Monte Morris is going to be giving. If Will Barton is held out, that's just going to mean even more as far as usage and minutes are concerned for him. So Monte Morris definitely comes into play at 4,700. There's a great spot for him to be able to get you between 5 to 6x. And then the other kind of dart throw with this will be Austin Rivers, who, again, you don't want to be chasing too much of the box score, but with Will Barton ruled out, got 35 minutes in the last game against the Warriors, played a lot of key minutes, and was one of the big guys down the stretch that really did show that capability to be able to have some big shot making. 
and in general, Austin Rivers is incredibly streaky, has been incredibly inconsistent. But if he's getting 35 minutes at 3,600, I am more than inclined to go ahead and take that little bit of a dart throw to see if I can get him in. Because if I'm looking at all these studs, we got to find some value. We got to find some money saved somewhere. Austin Rivers is one of those guys that I believe does have that capability to be that guy for you. And as does DeMarcus Cousins, not to the same level uh, because his minutes are likely to be much lower. Like we just know whether he's going to play somewhere close to that 20 minutes, which is really all I need for him to be likely able to hit anywhere between uh, 25 to 30 DK points, just because of how incredibly you know, per minute productive he is. But again, that's more of a GPP dart throw. Beyond that, I don't trust too many more of the uh, of the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to stay away from Aaron Gordon. He just finds himself with less of an uh, less of an offensive role at this moment, and that Warriors matchup has never been one where he gets himself up in shooting more. Only shot four times in the last game as well. It's going to be going through Jokic, and secondary to that, it's going to be going through Monte Morris. So moving on altogether to the tier list side of things. I'll start off with the expensive tier. And like I said, this is where that decision will have to be made. And I believe that there are really no wrong answers. We have five guys on the slate, all that are 10,000 and above. And I think the case could be made for all of them to be able to be taken. But I'm going to stick with my pick on James Harden, not only because he has that point guard shooting guard eligibility, which allows me to get some of these other guards I may be interested in in on the lineup, but at 10,400, he is in a matchup where he's going to be up against Kyrie Irving on the other side, going to get a lot of revenge narrative going in on this as well. And he's just in a spot where he is just looking to dominate. I expect this to be a monster game for James Harden, who's going to be coming off two days of rest. He's going to be ready, raring to go, look to put that Chicago games, bad shooting night behind him and put up a big night for himself. As far as the mid-tier side of things are concerned, I'm going to switch over to the other side on Brooklyn, where I think Andre Drummond, <clears throat> 5,700, is going to be in a matchup where he's going to be required to play heavier minutes once again. They just don't have the big body to be able to stay with Embiid otherwise. In and of itself, it's a bit of a revenge matchup for him as well. Obviously started off the season with the 76ers, was a backup there, was moved from that side. And here at 5,700, in Brooklyn, he's found himself a home. He's found himself a good spot where he is consistently getting big rebounding games. And as long as he's going to be playing anywhere between you know 24 to 26 minutes, I don't see why he can't just go ahead and absolutely smash this 5,700 price tag. Likely able to get another solid double-double under his bucket alongside everything else that he does provide you. Finally, as far as the value tier is concerned, I believe there's a couple of potential options that you can go with over here, but at less than 4,900, we're going to stick with Monte Morris on the Denver side over here. Again, with Will Barton out, likely to be the second most involved offensive player. He has been getting all the minutes that he can handle in terms of being able to stay on the floor, be that consistent force that Jokic looks for, especially on the perimeter. He's gotten up six three-point shots in each of his last two games. So in general, there's just a lot to like from his offensive versatility. And more so than that, at the time that Jokic goes out and sits, Monte Morris gets to be more of the ball handler, and that's seen itself result in 15 assists over the last two games as well. So just a lot to like for that price tag and a lot to like for that lineup to be able to round out all the studs that you're looking at otherwise as well. But that brings us to the end of our two game slate. And with that two game slate, we also have our thrive fantasy matchup over here. And, you know, there's a couple of 
decent options over here, but the one that I found juicy that I do like and it sticks out to me is the Tyrese Maxi one. At four and a half assists, his under is at 120 points. And I do like taking that under because ever since James Harden has come over to the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, there has only been one game in which Tyrese Maxey has hit five assists or more. And that was against Cleveland on the 4th of March. And in general, it has just been the James Harden show while Tyrese Maxey has pretty much run completely and utterly off ball. Now, it hasn't been bad from his productivity standpoint, but it's clearly less from a assist standpoint, which makes it a pretty solid spot to be able to go. And that's it. It's a small two-game slate over here. It's going to be exciting from a real watching perspective. I think I'm going to enjoy sitting back, getting a chance to watch both of these matchups, which I've really been looking forward to. Both could be you know, really big playoff encounters as well. And obviously there's a lot of emotions involved in it. So looking forward to that. As always, you can follow me on Twitter for all of my emotional takes, especially when the Raptors continue to find themselves injured and I have to wait until the 18th until I get back to be able to see them back in the Scotiabank arena. But at HAK underscore devil on Twitter, definitely reach out to me. Drop us a five star on anywhere that you go about listening to our podcast. It really does help us out. It gives us that engagement and engagement is everything. Ask me questions, hit me up on the discord as well, which is, you know, if you're not on there already as a sports ethos DFS pass subscriber, you're definitely missing out because there's just an absolute wealth of knowledge that you can find yourself there. You get people night in, night out, really grinding it out. And that's really what we are looking for as far as DFS is concerned. But until then, this is Harris signing out and I will see you guys on the next one. Let's go out and kill some tournaments.